Joshua 22. Now this chapter is a, is a very interesting one because it's something that seems to have little relevance to us today, but it has huge relevance to us today. But we'll get to that. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you have listened to my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brothers these many days to this day, but you have performed the duty of the commandment of Yahweh your God. And now Yahweh your God has given rest to your brothers as he spoke to them. Now therefore return and go to your tents to the land of your possession, which Moses the servant of Yahweh gave you beyond the Jordan. Only take diligent heed to do the commandment of the law, which Moses the servant of Yahweh commanded you, to love Yahweh your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now, to the one half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given inheritance in Bashan. But Joshua gave to the other half among their brothers beyond the Jordan westward. Moreover, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them, and he spoke to them, saying, Return with much wealth to your tents, which very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing, Divide the plunder of your enemies with your brothers. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel out of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they owned, according to the commandment of Yahweh by Moses. When they came to the region near Jordan, that is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a great altar to look at. The children of Israel heard this. Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the border of the land of Canaan, in the region around the Jordan, on the side that belongs to the children of Israel. When the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go against them to war. The children of Israel sent to the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh into the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eliezer the priest. With him were ten princes, one prince of a father's house for each of the tribes of Israel, and they were each head of their father's houses among the thousands of Israel. They came to the children of Reuben, and to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, The whole congregation of Yahweh says, What trespass is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away today from following Yahweh, in that you have built yourselves an altar against Yahweh? Is this iniquity of Peor too little for us, from which we have not cleansed ourselves to this day? Although there came a plague on the congregation of Yahweh, that you must turn away today from following Yahweh, it will be since you rebel against Yahweh that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. However, if the land of your possession is unclean, then pass over to the land of the possession of Yahweh in which Yahweh's tabernacle dwells and take possession among us. But don't rebel against Yahweh, 
nor rebel against us in building an altar other than Yahweh our God's altar. Didn't Achan the son of Zerah commit a trespass in the devoted thing, and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel? That man didn't perish alone in his iniquity. Then the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and spoke to the heads of the thousands of Israel. The mighty one, God, Yahweh, the mighty one, God, Yahweh, he knows, and Israel shall know, if it was in rebellion or if in trespass against Yahweh, then don't save us today, that we have built an altar to turn away from following Yahweh, or if to offer burnt offering or meal offering, or if to offer sacrifices of peace offerings, let Yahweh himself require it. If we have not out of concern done this, and for a reason saying, in time to come, your children might speak to our children, saying, what do you have to do with Yahweh the God of Israel? For Yahweh has made the Jordan a border between us and you. You children of Reuben and children of Gad, you have no portion in Yahweh, so your children might make our children cease from fearing Yahweh. Therefore we said, let's now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not for burnt offering, not for sacrifice, but for a witness, between us and you, and between our generations after us, that we may perform the service of Yahweh before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your children may not tell our children in time to come, you have no portion in Yahweh. Therefore we said, it shall be, when they tell us or our generations this in time to come, that we shall say, behold the pattern of Yahweh's altar, which our fathers made, not for burnt offering, not for sacrifice, but for a witness between us and you. Far be it from us that we should rebel against Yahweh and turn away today from following Yahweh to build an altar for burnt offering, for meal offering, or for sacrifice. Besides, Yahweh, our God's altar that is before, is before his tabernacle. When Phineas the priest and the princes of the congregation, even the heads of the thousands of Israel that were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them well. Phineas the son of Eliezer the priest said to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the children of Manasseh, Today we know that Yahweh is among us, because you have not committed this trespass against Yahweh. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of Yahweh's hand. Phineas the son of Eliezer the priest and the princes returned from the children of Reuben and from the children of Gad out of the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan to the children of Israel and brought them word again. The thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God and spoke no more of going up against them to war to destroy the land in which the children of Reuben and the children of Gad lived. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad named the altar a witness between us that Yahweh is God. It's an interesting chapter. Um, it's been seven years since the conquest of Canaan began, and it's now finished. Now you will remember, hopefully, <laughs> that at the start of this battle, way back at the start of Joshua, that two and a half of the tribes had already received inheritance before they crossed over the Jordan. So the temptation was there for the soldiers of those tribes to not even go across and fight, but they promised they would, and they faithfully did. So for seven years, a heap of these men have been away from their families all this time, and they've been fighting. But finally, 
the battle is done, the land is conquered, it's all been divided up, and Joshua blesses these, these men and says, you have been really faithful. You've stuck with us these many days, the scripture says. And he says, go home. And he blesses them with a great blessing. He tells them to take the spoils of war and to take it back to their families. And um, that's the first point worth making, is that when we fight for the Lord and we fight faithfully, there are spoils of war. There are things that the Lord will bless you, bless you with. If you... You know, go to your knees and you become someone that's just not only concerned for your own interests, but you're concerned for the body of Christ and for his family and you get on your knees and you fight and you're faithful with it, the Lord will bless you. Remember, the Lord Joshua is a picture of the Lord. The Lord blesses you and he gives you the plunder of war. Now, some of that might be in the life to come, in eternity with him, but some of it will be now. Unexpected blessings. The Lord will surprise you with good things. But... Joshua also said to them, share these things with your brothers. And so that's what we also do. When we inherit things from the Lord through prayer, when we overcome, it's not for us alone, but for our brothers and sisters. It's for the body of Christ. It's to share. And so these three tribes, they're, they're, the soldiers are returning home. It's wonderful. The campaign is over. They're heading back to their families. And they decide to stop and build an altar. Now, this is an alarming thing <laughs> because, you know, there's been other times people have built altars and every other time it was bad. So you think of when Moses went up the mountain for 40 days and while he was up there, they built a golden calf and it was bad. <laughs> or there was the time, you know, when they uh, started following Baal Peor, you know, in the end of Book of Numbers and they worshipping the gods of the Moabites and the Midianites. Bad. So there's these other times, you know, when people... Went, this, this generation of people are so zealous for the Lord, they're not like all the other generations. They're not like the generation that was with Moses that grumbled and complained and didn't trust God. This generation, they've learned their lessons. It's, they've been through boot camp. They, they, they do things properly. And they know that if someone steps out of line, it can affect all of them. And they see these three tribes build an altar and they're like, whoa, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> And they say to them, they send a message, a delegation, to basically say, what's going on? Don't you know that your sin can affect us all? And isn't that the truth? Sin in the church can affect everybody. The wrong attitudes in the body of Christ can affect the whole church. It's the truth. And that's why we are our brother's keeper. That's why we belong to one another. And we have to keep our eyes out for each other because this is so true. And these things are illustrations of that. But as it turns out, this altar was not built for worshipping other gods. It was not built for disobedience. It was built to be a witness. Because the, the nine and a half tribes didn't realise. They're all alarmed. What are you doing? You're going to cause problems. And so they send the message, but the, the, the reply comes back. We haven't built this altar to make sacrifices. They said, we know that the Lord's real, the altar is in the tabernacle. That's in Shiloh. We, we know that's where it is. That's where we will go. But they said, we've built this altar as a witness. And they said, because in the times to come, your children might say to our children that you have got no part in Israel. So I guess what they thought was, because they were geographically removed across the Jordan, there might be a future time when they were considered outsiders. They, they might be, there might have been a future time where they were considered second class or they were considered as not belonging at all 
And so they built this altar as a witness to basically say, um, this here is going to witness into the future, to the future generations, against that idea. So if in the future there were people that thought that, then this altar is a witness against them and will speak to them and, um, and basically say, you're wrong, that we are included in the house of Israel. So that's the part that I mentioned at the beginning I think is really interesting. Because you'd read a story like this and you'd say, well, nice story, who cares? <laughs> well, for me, when I read this type of thing, I see it exactly going on today. I see this exact thing happening in the body of Christ today. You know, this witness that was built, it wasn't for the Israelites, it was for us. I'm pretty, I'm pr pretty convinced of this. Because you could go to Israel and you could look for these rocks, you know, that this altar that was built, it's, it's probably, it, you probably won't find it because, you know, that was 3,400 years ago. And, you know, over time, things get changed, things get moved, a good rock, a good pile of rocks gets taken to build something else. Things hardly ever remain the, the way they are. The giant altar on Mount Ebal is still there, but that's because it was a big altar and the rocks were huge and it was way on top of a giant big mountain. It's just a bit too hard to get to and, and to tear down. But these, these smaller altars in other places, we don't find them today. Now maybe one day someone will find these things, but there's still a witness because it's been recorded in the scriptures. So the physical witness isn't there, but the spiritual witness remains. And it's a spiritual witness against people who look at other people and say, you're not a part of the body of Christ. Or you're a second class citizen and I'm better than you. And that happens a lot. You know the tribes of Israel, this may not be from the Lord, but this is the way I've always understood it. I've always looked at the denominations we have today in the body of Christ as kind of like the tribes of Israel. Now there are a lot more than 12 denominations in the body of Christ, so it's just a concept. But you know, you've got the, you had back then the tribe of Asher, Reuben, Naphtali, all of that. Today you've got the tribe of the Catholics, the tribe of the Anglicans, the tribe of the Pentecostals. <laughs> You know, you've got the, the tribe of the Africans. You know, they love to worship the Lord, those Africans. And isn't it terrific that they've influenced the body of Christ so much in the last hundred years? You know, you've got the Europeans and their tribe of worship. So I, I basically look at this idea of tribes as just like a way of categorizing the different types of Christians we have. You've got denominational types. You've got ethnic types. You know, it, there's variety. And that's all great. But we're all one nation. We're all the Israel of God. We're all, you know, spiritual Israel, which, by the way, is the real Israel. People think of the spiritual as being less real. No, the spiritual is the greater real. The physical is the less real. People get it back to front all the time. And so we've got this picture here as a witness against people who do that. If you've got a denomination that looks down on others and says, where the real Christians and all the rest of you are less important, or sometimes they look down on certain other denominations and say, you're not Christians at all. Well, that's what, what's going on here is what was described here in Joshua chapter 22, where they were concerned that nine and a half of the tribes were going to point to the other two and a half and say, you're not, you have no part in God. You have no part in Yahweh. Well, people do do that today, but this chapter is a witness against them. And um, 
I don't think it's, it's very safe ground to be going around and saying those type of things. The scripture says elsewhere that the Lord knows who are his. There's a, there's a parable Jesus told about the, the harvest at the end of the age, that there are wheat and tares growing alongside together. We shouldn't be ones to point at people and say, you're not a Christian. You know, sometimes Christian leaders, they have a responsibility to protect the flock, to judge the church. And so they might say to someone in their church, you know, you're not acting like a Christian. If you live like this, you're in danger of losing your soul. So pastors will say these types of things to people to encourage them to live a Christian life. But that's quite different to going around just pointing the finger and saying, you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian, or I'm better than you. And all of those types of things are really ungodly and not pleasing to the Lord at all. And we've got to make sure those type of attitudes are far from our heart. Yes, there are differences between denominations. And sometimes we think that someone else's position isn't the right one. But that's, that's you know, taking a considered um, position on something is different to, um, you know, judging someone else, despising someone else, looking down upon someone else. And um, so we need to guard our hearts, make sure these type of attitudes are not found there at all. So Lord, I ask you to protect us from the, the illustration that we find here in Joshua 22 of the danger of pointing at someone else and saying that you're not a part of the body of Christ or pointing at another type of ch church or denomination and saying that you're excluded from God. Lord, forgive us that we, if we've had attitudes in our hearts of competition or despising others or disgust for others or looking down on others or superior thinking, thinking we're better, Father, or being in competition or... Um, Lord, forgive us all these terrible human attitudes. I ask, Lord, that we would be washed with the blood of Christ. Help us to have within us the love that Christ had for his church. Consider others. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you, as the scriptures say. Lord, let these things be in our hearts, I pray. Prefer one another, it says. Lord, help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.